This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rangers, this is Zordon. It's time for another episode of the Canned Air Podcast. All right, it's morphin' time. And welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I'm Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jake Runyon. And returning to the show today to talk about a book we've talked about with them before in our uh, past episodes, Jake. But uh, when we talked about it the first time it was on Kickstarter, and now it's out for the world to enjoy, uh, of Case File Arkham, Her Blood Runs Cold, we welcome back Patrick McAvoy and Josh Finney. Thanks so much for being with us, gentlemen. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to have you back. We had a good time Round last time two, you were right? here. Yeah, when we talked South Park, I think it was. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. could talk South Park all day. <laughs> oh, you know, you could have a podcast dedicated to South Park and never run out of material. That's the truth. That's the truth. And uh, what we're going to be doing today is uh, in our retro roundtable, once again, looking back into pop culture history. Indeed. And uh, our topic will be divulged in our old-timey radio clip coming up here. <clears throat> then we're going to swing open the door to the comic vault. What do you have, Jake? I have got... Now, hang on. Let me make sure I get the title in order, because it's two phrases I mix up every single time. It is called Stand Still, Stay Silent. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a hell of a title. Well, that can imply so much. I know. I'm excited to hear it. Well, you should. <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way. One of the titles we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Patrick and Josh and talk Case File Arkham. Her blood runs cold. But before we do that, Jake. You should probably all take a moment, even now, maybe hit pause after I give you this message. Check us out on Twitter, at CannedAirPod, and Instagram, at Canned underscore Air, and see all the fun and informative things we've got on there for you. And don't forget, your favorite podcast is on Patreon. It's us, we're your favorite. Go ahead and throw a few bucks our way if you like what we do. Hit that $5 mark, and you have a VIP pass to the Founders Club Podcast. Yeah, a good podcast from what I'm Indeed. told. I've, I've heard some feedback from one of our founders yeah, yeah. that it's, it's a bigger that hit show. than we gave it credit for. <laughs> yeah, they prefer that show to the uh, the free one. So I, I think don't know. We, you take that as you will. I mean, half the time I, I feel like we have, uh, we, have oh man, we have a lot of fun making that show. We anyway, do. So it all we works do. out. And speaking of making shows, uh, before we jump into the retro Ooh, round yes. table, I wanted to make an announcement really quick. I've been uh, rolling a r- idea around my head about starting another show uh not to replace candare just a uh, supplement it another sh- yeah just another show with a different feel and what i'm wanting to do is uh just hear people's stories about strange things that have happened and it can be anything it can be you know paranormal alien related whatever bizarre goings on as long as when that story's over you're like wow that was strange you know that was weird i want to hear those stories so because weirdness is the spice of life ladies and gentlemen right right and i think it'd be a fun show to uh, compile those kind of stories uh either told by the people if they want to 
you know, lend their voice to the show to tell their story or, you know, just write a letter and we yeah. can read it on the show. But I think it sounds like a good idea. So not that it hasn't been done before, but it just sounds like a lot of fun. But Candair's never done it before. Candair so never has never done, been done it quite That's like this true. before. That's true. So if you, if you yourself or you know anybody who has a weird, weird, interesting story that they would like to uh, donate to the show or uh, come on the show themselves and tell the story, Go to candairpodcast.com and uh, shoot us an email right there on the contacts page, or you can just shoot an email to candairpodcast at gmail.com. Or send us a message on Twitter. Why Any not? way you want to get yeah. a hold of us, we are we're always there waiting, and uh, we want to hear those stories, and uh, yeah, just shoot them my way, and I'll get in touch with you. So, enough about that. Let's kick off this week's Retro Roundtable. <laughs> History 1990 in Living Color premiered, kickstarting the careers of many famous comedians such as Jim Carrey and more. That's right, Jake. And so, in lieu of that, today we're going to be talking about sketch comedy shows in general, not only in Living Color, not that I have much experience with right. that show, but uh, like SNL, Mad TV, whatever shows come to mind. Kind of a dying genre, I think. You think so? I think so. I think it's it's becoming uh, less about the sketch comedy itself, and it's getting folded more into reality TV, where we're getting brought in by manufactured drama, trashy goings on. I think most of the skitches, sketches and skits, <laughs> sketches and skits that you run into are um, kind of in addition to something else that's happening in a reality TV program. There, there isn't well, a lot of new content coming out. That's dedicated to that format, the way things like SNL or In Living Color were. Well, I mean that 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 that's entirely true. Uh, I think in the realm of television and cable, but we're kind of getting uh, skit comedy now in bite sizes online. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's kind of become a whole genre in itself, which uh, that is very has true. Kind of. Uh, uh, kind of uh, beat out Saturday Night Live in a lot of ways at their own game. And SNL is still very relevant, too. They, they With Trump in the White House, you know, they, I mean, he's doing their job for him pretty It's much. almost become too easy, I think. <laughs> but it's given them a new lease on life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Alec Baldwin, for that matter. Wasn't he the one that was imitating him? Imitating Trump? Oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean... And uh, another, another thing to uh, bring into that is the... Uh, the comedy news shows, like The Daily Show, you know. Oh, they, yeah. I thought about things that. Things along those lines are probably taking a lot of that uh, that space that used to be there. It's slightly different because it's more topical. Um, but uh, they've got a lot of the same hallmarks, a lot of uh, sketches and a lot of uh, recurring characters and even musical guests. You were referring to late night shows? Yeah, 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 late night uh, pseudo news shows, you know, the Daily Show, that sort of thing, or even right. uh, Colbert's new show. Uh, yeah, that's where I was starting to think. That and Jimmy Kimmel. Right. right. I almost wonder if it's a sign of the times that most people prefer to get their news through, like, a comedy medium these days. Like, we need that little bit of uh, <laughs> little bit of levity to kind of... It's the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down, yeah. you know? Well, that's very true. I could be reading too much into it, but it, it seems no, I think, like it. Yeah, I think you're right. I plus, plus, I think comedy inoculates them a little bit from charges of, uh, <laughs> you know, partisanship. <laughs> right. 
you can call anything satire, well, really. So yeah, even and retroactively, the, uh, you can say, "Oh, it's a joke." <laughs> well, you know, going all the way back to Rome, I mean, you had the uh, town criers who would uh, announce the news, but often a lot of it was peppered with humor and uh, lewd comments. Uh, you got to right. keep the public's <laughs> attention, I suppose. <laughs> Nobody wants to eat Lucky Charms without the marshmallows. No, isn't that true? <laughs> isn't that true? You know, it's funny, though. I, I'm... I loved SNL growing up more so than I do now. Sure. Not to say that it wasn't then, but it seems like now it's way more, uh, like 90% of what you see on SNL is what's happening in Washington or a little more current, little it's, less, it's, it's you know, less absurd. just like, uh, I don't know. Like back in the old days, they would make shit up, make like yeah. ideas for new skits, you know? And it was so much fun. Yeah. Like, uh, what was the the shark that would knock on the door and try to get him to answer? Oh, land shark. Land shark, shark. yes. Yeah. Like, where does that Candy come Graham. from? But it was so funny. <laughs> you know, there are far fewer samurai in various professions these days than there were back then, and I, I think that's mm-hmm. a shame. Yeah. Pepsi, no Coke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no Coke, Pepsi. <laughs> no fries, cheats. What, what were your guys' favorite uh, uh, sketches from SNL over the years? Oh, oh, favorite sketches. Well, Almost you know, Dan Aykroyd, uh, was it You <laughs> Kill It, We Grill It was pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my That's God. Do you that. remember his, uh, what was it, the toy uh, bag of glass? Oh, bag of broken glass. Oh, yeah, That's bag of glass. And Johnny, was it Johnny Switchblade or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the yeah you know, Barbie and Ken go out oh, for good. a night on the town. You know, they, they, they go down the wrong alley. You know, what doll you got to play with when they get mugged? You know, Johnny Switchblade. <laughs> <laughs> I love when he's talking think... about the bag of glass. And he's like, look at the lights and the colors. Kids love it. It's shiny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now this this is a plastic bag you pull over your head and play space man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I I think I mean probably I'm probably uh biased just because it was uh you know when I was a teenager, my early teens, but you know the early 90s uh were the best for SNL for me. Uh, that's See, the, that's that's the thing I I kept running into throughout my life is my understanding of SNL has always been from people telling me like, oh, it was so much better back then. Oh, oh during yeah. this time it right. was so good. So I think it, it, it never really got a fair shake for me. Maybe if I had started watching it in a vacuum as it was then, I would have been like, you know, this is pretty funny. But even before I was able to form my own opinion of it, my brain kept telling me like, you know, this isn't as good as it used to be. You know, like I've got any experience with that at all. Right. I just remember I, just being. I, I think I think the secret to Saturday Night Live is its best five years ago. That's always yeah. That's always yeah. the heyday of Saturday Night Live is five to ten years ago. At any given point, if you went back in time five to ten years ago, it would still be best five to ten years ago. So, uh, in other words, I don't think it's ever as good as people remember it. No, it, I don't know because they man. remember the good parts. They, think, every, think of that every yeah. early nineties. Every episode has one or two good things. That's all you remember. Think of that yeah, early nineties I mean, cast, have, dude. Well, yeah, the nineties cast was really good, but Chris the eighties cast was really good. Uh, I was going to say my favorite sketch ever was uh, uh, Eddie Murphy's "Kill My Landlord" poem. Oh, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that was genius. I loved when he did uh, Gumby, though. Yeah. Or when yeah. he did Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. That shit was so yeah. funny. 
Yeah. Oh, look up Kill My Landlord. You'll, you'll die. <laughs> you know, talking I about... I think they've all been removed from uh, YouTube, though. You can't find those. Oh, jeez. I guess they're kind of clamping down on their... Uh, yeah. On their yeah, I, I, I tried to show, uh, show my wife uh, Bill Murray doing uh, his Steve Reeves as uh, Hercules sketch, and couldn't find it. Mm. Hmm. You know, but it re- reminded me, I do know what my favorite sketch is. Yeah, I, I should have should have thought of this immediately. Um, you know, I grew up in the 80s, and my dad uh, let me stay up late and watch Saturday Night Live, which, thinking how young I was, it's kind of a questionable thing, but I'm not going to complain. <laughs> Mr. Bill. Oh, Mr. Yeah. Bill oh, left yes. such a deep impression on me as a child. See, Mr. Oh, no. Bill was always shown to me after the fact. I was never, like, there when it happened. But... Right. I was kind of the same way. I never knew that he uh, came, originated with SNL until sometime later. Uh, yeah, I even had a Mr. Bill t-shirt with uh, Sluggo killing him. <laughs> <laughs> Remember uh, Tunsis the Driving Cat? I even oh, named yeah. a cat. I named one of my cats Tunsis just because of that. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, Tinsis, the driving cat, he, he could drive just not very well. So he'd always end up what, driving everyone over a this? cliff. What, what, uh, what, 90s? 90s? Yeah, uh, and just to date it for you, it had a uh, Terminator 2 sketch. Oh, right. The Toonsinator. <laughs> the Toonsinator. <laughs> Boy, I do not remember that at all. I'll have to look uh, that up. Flying right over my head, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. For sure. I'm trying to oh, think of okay. the most, I mean, one of the most memorable things for me uh, are the commercials. I love the commercials they yeah. do. And there was one that I only recall seeing, maybe it was like when it first aired. Maybe I've seen it in syndication somewhere once, but I cannot find online or anywhere. It was, I don't even remember the name of the car, but it was a commercial for a car, for the car owner who loves their car so much they want to fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and it shows Kevin Nealon pulling his car to the side of the road. And he gets out, oh. walks to the back of the car, and the you know, like on those on old Oldsmobiles, like from the early '80s, when you put gas in the car. It was my first car. You pull the license plate down, and that's where your gas yeah. goes in. Right. Except there wasn't a gas hole. There was a another. Well, the, well what was it, Jeremy? What was behind the plate? <laughs> I don't know. They had a blurred thing over it, oh, so you I guess can, we'll uh, never know. <laughs> yeah. But then he just shows him straddling this thing and just going to town. It was so fucking funny. You know, I'm not giving it enough credit. There was a recent SNL skit that still kind of sticks with me. It was Tracy Morgan as a safari zoologist, animal expert sort of guy called Brian Fellow. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm Brian Fellow. And and you got the parrot. It's just that weird, (laughs) sassy intensity with these. I'm Brian Fellow. That bird's a liar. You know, kill that damn bird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Brian. A man so far removed from reality that the animals are starting to piss him off. Maybe he's in the wrong profession. I don't know. Who am I to judge? (laughs) It was so funny, though. I'm Brian Fellow. I'm thinking of one from way back. This is probably, well, it's 1970s. Speaking of commercials, it was my favorite commercial. I, I think I've seen in all the many years uh, was uh, Smuckers. Remember they did a Smuckers parody? I because do, but the, I don't remember uh, what the joke was. Well, the Smuckers, um, 
uh, catchphrase was, with a name like Smuckers, it's right. got to be good. So they kept coming up with names that'll have to be even better, like <laughs> Painful Rectal Itch. <laughs> with a name like Painful and Rectal Itch. Rectal Itch, it's got to be great. <laughs> I, I've got one. Yeah, I think one of them said, I've got one, 10,000 nuns and orphans. Oh say, What's God. so bad about that? Well, they're all eaten by rats. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Oh, my God. No, I'm sitting here thinking. I think Kevin Nealon was one of my all-time favorites. Yep. Uh, he was so freaking funny. I mean, in general, he's funny. He was great on the Weeds uh, he, show. He was good in Weeds, wasn't he? He was really good. I was kind of but... disappointed when I started watching some of his stand-up after I'd seen him on Weeds, and he wasn't nearly as profane or horrible. <laughs> he makes a point not to swear yeah, in stand-up. Yeah, I was like... Mm. Mm. It's yeah. kind of like when you when you get your food and then you realize there's no more ketchup in the fridge. You're like, yeah, this is good, but I don't know. I, when I ketchup. think about, I'm not a comedian, but when I think about comedy, you know, when you're on stage and you use profanity, I see that as kind of a a crutch. Oh, it's I, it's kind of it's yeah. it's helping like a plus three bonus on <laughs> your laughing. You know, the laugh. You're basically return. enchanting your weapon. Pretty, pretty much, much. <laughs> exactly. But when you uh, take that out of the element, I think that would be a huge challenge oh, for yeah. a comedian and to I, get I, that reaction without any mm, profanity. I totally respect it, but I've been on the hard stuff for so long that I need that profanity <laughs> to I'm feel right the there same with high. You, but know? I got one of his stand-up albums, and uh, I enjoyed it. Well, and really? I was... Uh, I mean, I, obviously, I'd rather hear Bob Saget, you know, <laughs> swear to his heart. It's on yeah. the total opposite end of the spectrum there. <laughs> right, but. Well, if we're going to go with uh, comedians from Saturday Night Live who did stand-up, another one who has had a lasting impression on my life is Andy Kaufman. Oh, oh yeah. And I remember the episode of Saturday Night Live where they had the thing where Andy had offended far too many people, and a lot of people just didn't get him. And they actually did a live call-in during the show to call in, do we keep Andy or dump Andy? Right, yeah. And he finally ended up losing. They they, they dumped Andy. That's got to be a sign he of success. Did. When you're pursuing that particular type of comedy and you're getting kicked out yeah. of SNL, you're doing it correctly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys remember. There was a show from the early '80s called Fridays, which was just oh, a yeah. off of Saturday Night Live about it. And uh, Kaufman, uh, he melted down so spectacularly on that show live. It was really live. Uh, other people in the cast started fighting him. <laughs> he, it was actually uh, Michael Richards. It was Michael yes, Richards. That that's was right. Uh, yes, uh, from Seinfeld. Yeah, Kramer. Yeah. So they, well, it's they a good just, thing nothing uh, controversial ever happened to him after that. So he <laughs> really flew under the <laughs> radar. <laughs> oh. Yeah, boy, he just kind of faded away for no reason at all. What a shame. <laughs> he was a he was a complete asshole though to Andy because I think Andy when that whole thing started, Andy just kind of froze. They were doing a scene where they were all out at dinner, and he right? was yes. he kind of froze up with his lines and. The other actors started to get embarrassed, and Michael Richards went and grabbed the cue cards from the camera guy and, like, threw them in his lap. And that got a big reaction from the audience, and he well, yeah. sat down like a, you know, big cock of the walk kind of asshole, and that's what set Andy off. Then he threw his shit and... I mean, is that really the right way to handle that situation, Of course though? not. You know? But not on, not on anyone's, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean... You don't... Well, I, I'd say in, in most... Really? What? <laughs> I can't imagine Michael Richards being an asshole. I can't imagine that. Yeah, really? Go figure. <laughs> I don't know. You're you're scuttling the ship just to kill the captain. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Just 
see if you can well, patch in, up the holes. In most cases, that would be the wrong thing to do. But I think you have to admit that when you're live in front of millions of people on TV, that's the right time to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, we're still talking about it, I guess. So it's got to count for something. Good point. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite SNL sketches. I got to get this out here, out there before I forget to mention it. It was uh, who was in it? It was Chris Farley, David Spade, and I can't remember. There was a few. There were a few female uh, actresses. I can't remember who it was. But anyway, they were reenacting a scene from Little Women where they were all out sitting next to a <laughs> pond with people ice skating, and they were all talking like, "Oh." We'll have ever so much fun today, won't we? You know, just uh, how would you? How would you just almost you got that Victorian semi-colonial, kind of, yeah, and so southern debutante <laughs> thing about it. Chris Farley's like, watch me go out on the ice and spin a figure eight. <laughs> and he gets out there, and you hear the ice crack, and he falls through. And when it cuts to him, they're like. Oh my, whatever shall we do? And he's like, What do you mean, you stupid bitch? Pull me out of the water. <laughs> he was just the go to guy for that type he of just joke. Totally and never shed that and it. just went straight, Get me out of here. It's a, that was, lay that off that me, I'm funny. starving. You yeah. know, it's just save me, you stupid so whore. <laughs> you know, I, it reminds okay. me of something I saw when I was in Cincinnati. Now, I, I don't want to say I approve of this. But it got kind of a shock chuckle out of me. I was at this bar called Max, uh, prided themselves on their pizza and their burgers, and they said, try our signature Mac attack, two personal pizzas with two hamburger patties, cheese, and bacon in the middle. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy shit. And in the bottom... We in call it the cardiac arrest. Well, that's the thing. In the bottom, in parentheses, it said, this is the snack that killed Chris Farley. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> First off, that's in poor taste. Second, that's very poor taste is a little funny. If I didn't love Chris Farley so much, I'd have been inclined to laugh harder. But they they got me at least in that moment. They got me. And I'd like to think somewhere from beyond the veil, where, wherever Chris Farley is, he smiled a little bit too. Think so? I think so. I think he can take a joke. You don't appreciate it. Yes, it's a safe assumption. I yeah, think. you know. Yeah. Good on you. Well, he always Thanks. he always took parts playing fat people. So yeah, yeah, you know. he, he seemed to at least be aware of the situation. <laughs> he, he he leaned into it. Yeah, let's put it that well, way. Oh, you know that uh, the weight thing. He was afraid that if he got started losing the weight, no one would think he was funny anymore. Oh, wow, that's heavy. Hmm. And, you know, I I've seen these specials and read these articles. Just all all the stuff Chris Farley wrestled with while hmm. being one of the funniest people ever to have lived, and it's just. It's intense. It, it just goes back to, you know, comedy. It seems like it comes from a dark place. You know, Robin right. Williams said the same thing. Oh. and it, It's just, I don't know. Someone summed it up once. They said, the people that make you laugh the most are the people who need to laugh the most. You know, they, sure. they understand that need for something to take your mind off things. And it becomes uh, an imperative for them to at least spread that to other people if they're not getting it themselves. And it's, right. It's wild, you know. Right. Not everybody, but no. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Anyway, now that I've you know, Andy down Kaufman, the whole vibe like, of Andy show. Kaufman like playing the villain. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's this asshole. <laughs> it's just yeah. totally the other end of it. We should have just dubbed this SNL retro yeah, table. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I have like no intention of ca talking about In Living Color. I, I was going to so content with talking about SNL. I was going to mention Homie the Clown. Oh, oh. Uh, well, that was uh, Damon Wayne's, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I cannot stand the way you don't know. 
<laughs> Cannot stand him. Huh. Swing and a miss. <laughs> this might on. not have been the subject for you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just with my comedians, I prefer them be funny. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> you hear that, Wayne's Brothers? <laughs> Call me picky. <laughs> We're calling we've, you we've out. Got standards. Okay, we'll give that to you. There was there was a lot of other people on that show. You know, there was Jim Carrey. Who else? Yeah, yeah. David Allen Greer. Talking Allen-Greer about Andy Kaufman. About Andy Kaufman and Jim Carrey. Have you guys seen <laughs> the uh, the documentary on Netflix? Oh, absolutely. What did you think of Jim Carrey after watching that? Oh, the documentary or the the film? The uh, the film. Uh, I mean, not what not what did you think about the film after you watched it? I thought the film was wonderful. It was fantastic. But just about Jim Carrey, like uh, like the whole thing is about how he really dove into being Andy Kaufman. Yeah, sort of you know? didn't step out of that skin. He didn't come out of that skin. And I don't know. After watching it, a part of me was kind of rubbed the wrong way with Jim Carrey. I mean, it was still really cool to see, but I think he may have took it too far. Well, the thing about Jim Carrey is the more I uh, hear him talk, the more I'm convinced he's uh, he's, he's, he's a few wires. Uh, he's got a few wires loose, and I really don't think he's fully functioning in reality. Oh, fuck no. Fuck no. I really, it's just his mindset seems really kind of disconnected anyway. Even before he became a celebrity, apparently really wasn't all there to begin with. So, yeah, I, I don't know. If, if I listen to Jim Carrey as Jim Carrey too long, I, I find him obnoxious. Mm. Yeah, well, he just came off very, uh, I thought, very arrogant. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I had only seen the trailer for the documentary. Mm-hmm. I know Abby was raving about it. We mm-hmm. had intended to watch it. I, I suspect it was Wilson really was good. That's that's what she said, because she had seen it. That's the first time I've said that's what she said in a really serious, non-adolescent <laughs> context, by the way. But that is what she said. And even in just that little snippet from the trailer, I remember thinking to myself, Ooh, this asshole! <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it, but I suppose that's what it took to portray that. It was the whole Jerry person. Lawler thing that did it for me. Yeah, like he was just on set, a complete ass to him. And you know, you, you see a quick snippet of Lawler saying, "Real Andy Kaufman was never like that." Oh, wow. you know, like you see him getting bent out of shape, getting actually pissed off. But um, I don't know. I don't want to ruin it for you if you sure, haven't seen sure. it or the <laughs> listeners. It. It's still pretty fresh. So yeah. it's on Netflix. Watch it. What was it called? Jim and Andy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, hell of a subject either way. Yeah, really good. Yeah, and, uh, him and Lawler. Lawler was a really good sport with Andy, and uh, they actually were friends. So Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's what I don't think he... Uh, I don't know. how you, He would have to know that from making the movie, but I guess he was just so caught up in it. You know? Must have been. I just want to keep talking about it and like divulging no, no, stuff, okay. but I'm not going to. I mean, to be um, fair, I'm the same way when I'm eating spaghetti. The world around me doesn't matter. I'm in the moment. <laughs> so I imagine that's what he felt like, eating spaghetti. Spaghetti noodles? Don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> you hear me? Oh, inside joke. I'll kill you where you stand. <laughs> All right. How about, how about the uh, movies to come from uh, like SNL? I do love me some Wayne's World. Wayne's World has got to be the best, right? Yeah, yeah I, I would say so. And most successful. Certainly. I mean, no one talks about Wait, 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 wait. Hold on here. What about Blues Brothers? I would say Wayne's World's probably more popular than Blues Brothers, wouldn't you? I do love oh, No, Blues. no. But is it a better I don't know about popularity, but... 
Yeah, that Blues Brothers was a pretty darn good movie. They're, they're both not, great. I'm not saying it wasn't. It was. It was definitely good. But I just, in terms of uh, box office popularity, I'm. I thought Wayne's World was a bigger success. I mean, they got a sequel. That's true. I guess technically, so did Blues Brothers. Yeah, but, but that's not the same. That. That's not you the same. You don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Well, the, the Blues Brothers sequel was a little bit uh, handicapped by not having John <laughs> yeah. Belushi. You put it nicely. <laughs> that was uh, Dan Aykroyd's midlife crisis kicking in for the fourth time. Oh. <laughs> mm. Well, how about some of these other movies to have come from SNL, like uh, Tim Meadows is the Ladies Man? That should never have happened. Amusing. It was not a good movie. <laughs> No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it was not. Uh, what about Pat? It's Pat. I, mm. You know what? That was that was like eighty percent to being an okay movie. Uh, it was <laughs> even though it existed. It was a glowing recommendation. Obnoxious. I can't say I've ever seen it, but I just know looking at the skits, it's just like Ugh, I've never I finished it. Yeah. I don't want to look at. That's the kind it. of thing that would not fly these days. That's such a politicized well, issue compared not. to back yeah, then. Yeah, you're right. When the whole crux of the joke could just be, is it a man? Is it a woman? <laughs> we don't know. These days, that's yeah. far too touchy a subject, I think. You you would yeah. have to play it from a very different angle for it to gain any traction. I think if they just bulldozed ahead with it the way they did back then, the, the climate's just not conducive to that. Hmm. Which makes Glenn or Glenda even funnier. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. But uh, what else? Uh, uh, the Coneheads. Yeah, oh, the Coneheads I liked. The Coneheads. Yeah, that was yeah. good. I forgot about that one. Man, there's a lot of these movies I'm probably forgetting. Uh, Gosh, thing that's stick- mentioning a single single Adam Sandler film, why would that be? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are those really Saturday Night Live films? I don't know. I don't know. No, those, I, those were uh, his company what's it what was it called happy madison or something like that uh i think it's called death of western culture that's what yeah, he didn't like I any right. sandler films when i was you know seven okay I, happy gilmore I, like, I honestly we're age, we got an age difference here don't we a little, I, a little i made it i made it through happy gilmore but i'm not proud of it what? Uh, never a big I did, I'm not saying it's like a fucking <laughs> Citizen Kane here or anything, but I thought of, of his catalog, it's the best. If he's got a movie that's watchable, it's Happy Gilmore. What I yeah. don't understand um, is people's infatuation with Billy Madison. Oh, boy. You want to talk about a Happy horrible Gilmore. movie? Like I do not fucking get it. I do not I agree. get it. I agree. Uh, it's it's. It's a movie that that really shows up the worst of humanity in a yeah. horrible way. It isn't funny. Uh, it's uh, it, it's a, so, just a disaster beginning to end. Such an asinine concept that like your suspension of disbelief is pushed to its fucking limit. Just right. every time I've thought about that movie, I've been like, oh yeah, because he missed the hold the fuck up. You know, yeah. there is no way in hell that wouldn't be consolidated to one standardized test or, or something. But. So it's not like in the realm of, say, like in college, everybody's favorite film was uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. Because they <laughs> they all get together and they get completely shit-faced or stoned and then turn it on and it was like the best movie ever, apparently. My parents took my sister and I to see that in the theater. Yeah. When we were <laughs> yeah. Years and years ago. Many moons ago. <laughs> in the before time. <laughs> 
Now, I've never seen uh, MacGruber, MacGruber, but I keep hearing good things about it. Uh, I don't really want to, no. I don't think I'm missing anything from the full movie that I didn't get in the trailer, you know? Mm, How about uh, Night at the Roxbury? You know, I must have seen fragments of that movie with decent, like, regularity for years now, and I couldn't tell you one thing about what actually happens. <laughs> Uh, their parents are trying to get them to move out and to find, uh, you know, ladies in their life, stop hanging out with each other and get on with their lives, but they just want to be club owners and it's their journey to becoming but sounds riveting. It's not. Oh, okay. But, I mean, it was uh, funny at the time. I oh, mean, sure. that's what I was going to say about all these, a lot of these movies, uh, especially Adam Sandler, how... You know, if you watch... What was one of the last movies he put on Netflix? It was... Uh, the, not The Hateful Eight, but his take oh, on... Oh, The those. Ridiculous Six or Six, something yeah. Like that. <laughs> I watched that uh, one night because I had fucking nothing to do. <laughs> there was a gun and, to my head. He said, you better watch this right now. <laughs> and, you know, there was a few little chuckles in it. But what I took from that was that his style of movie making hasn't changed in the slightest uh, since... Those days, and it's funny how that can stay the same. And in the '90s, you know, it was just the pinnacle of comedy. Yeah, and now it's just like laughable. You it's know, not adapted to the times. No. Hey, if we're talking about movies that are garbage, let's bring up Little Nicky, which is. Oh my lord! I saw that in the theater too. <laughs> I'm saying too much. Okay. Yeah. Trying to sit through that okay. movie was like watching dog waste turn white in real time. <laughs> It was just nothing to gain. <laughs> I'm sorry. You sound like you had something to say, I think Patrick. I may have <laughs> no, uh, I think that was uh, Josh, but he sounds like me. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> weighing whether I should even say it or not. But you know um, this is America. You say what you please. Oh uh, well, okay. When uh, it was like around 2000, or no, I take that back. It was 99. And I had just gotten out of the hospital because I had uh, had my appendix out. And for a, a big, long list of reasons that I'm not going to get into, I was uh, having a bit of a mental breakdown due to things in my past. And I was really losing my shit. And so that brief, dark period in my time, I had moved in with my parents while I got my act together. And as I'm kind of going through all this post-traumatic stress and flipping out, my mom says, you know what? comedies you need to watch comedies while you work through this josh and she rented little nicky and Waterboy. oh no <laughs> i don't know if she was trying me to get get me to commit suicide or if she really thought these films were funny maybe it's like immersion therapy if you're surrounded with tragedy you're less apt to notice it right yeah. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you're kidding right but Those again, movies will make you get up and get out of the house and go kill somebody. I think it's time to jog. Yeah. It's so bad. I know. But at the time, again, they were it's it just it blows was, my mind how that then. can be the uh, I'll quit harping on it. <laughs> uh, one other one that I can think of was uh, Molly Shannon's. Uh, what was Mary Catherine Gallagher? Oh, the, uh, a superstar. Superstar. Yeah, superstar. Yeah. That was superstar. if I remember, that was kind of funny. I don't remember seeing the whole thing, though. I think we caught it like you were saying bits and pieces on yeah, tv yeah it's it's one of those things that plays every now and again in the day on comedy set like if you're sick at home from work and you're too delirious to change it to something mm -hmm. odds are you've run into superstar at one point 
Molly mm-hmm. Shannon's funny. She makes me laugh. I like I've Molly always Shannon. liked her. Yeah. 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 I think I, I often, she's one of those people that I like more than the movies they're in. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like this person has charisma, but this movie isn't bringing it out. You know, right, it's, right, I don't right. know. Mm. Um, one thing that sucks about when these movies come out is that the sketch disappears off of SNL. Like, yeah, yeah. When Wayne's World disappeared, that sucked so freaking bad. Makes you and wonder was it was it a good trade? You know, with Wayne's World, yeah, absolutely. That was a great movie. The second one, I'm not the biggest fan of, but um, I it still had its enjoy it. Still. Yeah, yeah, I still enjoy it. Had it had Tia Carrere in it, so you know, the inner, mm, bikini. Okay, fine. I just hated there was the female equivalent to Garth, like with the same glasses and hair. That, that was a so little forced. Stupid. Yeah. Um, and I think they even had a dog that looked the same way. Like, come on, <laughs> guys, let's let's pump the brakes here. Back up a little bit. <laughs> but all right, uh, do we have anything else, gentlemen? No, I, I think we've uh, we have gone really long on this retro. We've beaten this dead horse to a thin pink paste. We sucked we'll the flavor out of that gum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no color Either left we'll do on kids the Kids in the hall stick. or Mad TV next time. Oh yeah, Kids <laughs> in the hall, man. I didn't even think. Kids that. in the hall. Now that's the best sketch show of all time. I will fight anyone who disagrees. <laughs> I've never seen it. You've never watched Kids in the Hall? No. Really? Dave Foley <sighs> and friends. Oh my god. No. There was some oh, quality stuff. My God, never seen Fix this. Oh, what's wrong with me? Everything, man. When am I going to be okay, Jake? Never. All right, you just have to wait for death. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Before we swing open the door to the comic vault, our dear friends over at Adult Swim strike again, Jake. Oh, geez, is that they what this have, mysterious box this on the chair is? Mysterious box on the chair. I is. thought maybe it was just a repurposed loot crate, but no. It's for a show. <laughs> That's actually, this came a little late, apparently. It must have gone out late because, I mean, I've only had this a couple days. Premiered last night, Uh-oh. April 8th, uh, Sunday, April 8th, called Ballmasters 9009. And uh, I caught a little bit of it last night as I was going to bed, and it's out there, but in a great kind of way. I haven't even run into this. Take a look at this postcard there. Um, it's like a futuristic sport, I guess, where you're like, I don't even know how to describe it, and I, I, I feel... Like, I'm going to butcher it if I do. So just go to adultswim.com, and you can typically watch uh, anything that's been on already aired on their uh, channel on their website. Wow, this image has everything. It has everything. I, I can't pick out any one thing, because it's all just madness. And this will all be on Twitter for you guys to see. Fantastic. It, yeah, it was. it's definitely funny, but they sent... Oh, wow. What looks to be like a... Remember Mad Balls from the 80s? Like I the, sure the do. Balls with the faces on them. That's what it looks like, a character Ooh. from this show. Razor-finned, gap-tooth, unibrow, green ball monstrosity. And from what I gathered from the show, too, very foul mouth. Oh, good. Well, that really rounds out the profile, doesn't it? Does that say a series oh, premiere? Oh, wait. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a parody of Rollerball, the uniforms. It must yes, be. Yes, 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 yes. Are you looking, are you looking yeah, at it online? Yeah, the, the uniforms they're wearing are uh, are directly referencing a rollerball. Okay. Well, there you have it. Well, I'm glad that uh, you're here because I had no idea. Oh, yes. April huh. 8th, it says, and then Sundays at midnight. So there you have it, folks. Yeah, and they said. Yeah, this looks great. 
they sent along a uh, I can't remember what this guy's name is, but he's a, he's the green ball with like the mohawk blade and the spike out the side <laughs> of his head, and he's green and looks pretty badass. So, I want to thank Adult Swim for sending that our way. We never get sick of getting stuff. No, from them. no, it's, it's like always Christmas to they come. They sure know how to top the weirdness. Yeah, every new package. Just, at one point, it's just going to be like live snakes or something. <laughs> Oh, they've just been so awesome, though. The yeah. shot glasses. Oh, Remember the shot glasses? Come on. I swear, I can't Rick and confirm. Morty action figures. Yeah. I haven't done the math, but I'm pretty sure you get drunk faster drinking out of a Squidbilly's shot glass. <laughs> <laughs> Safe bet. Your brain just fills in the chemical gaps. Give me that card really. Th- oh, yeah, yeah. There you are. So, again, Ballmasters... 9009. And would you spell that for the uh, the listeners at home? Because it is a non-traditional spelling. <laughs> That's B-A-L-L-M-A-S-T-R-Z. Hell yeah. 9009. Uh, again, that was April 8th, but coming up this Sunday at midnight, set your DVRs. It looks like it's... I think I'm going to set mine, too. What I saw was pretty damn funny. Oh, uh, let's get into and it. And I'm not yeah. just kissing ass no, since, no. since they're sending us cool shit. I tell you what, it was as funny as they are generous, and no more. (laughs) (laughs) All right, with that, let's swing open the door to the comic vault. I need to shut up and get this moving here. I'll truncate mine a little bit. I can keep it short. Sure, go ahead. Well, let me tell you guys about... (laughs) Let me look it up again so I don't screw it up. It is... Stand still, stay silent. Hmm. I'll just touch on the premise for this one since okay. we uh, spent a long time on SNL. Uh, first off, let me say the art style is phenomenal. Okay, this is like I, this is going to sound weird. I want to say feature length animation quality. Think of like the best of like Studio Ghibli, etc. Just the style and the detail meld together so perfectly. The the person responsible for this has really honed their craft. And there are some comics where you see them develop over the life of the webcomic and you see like the end product so much different than the beginning this is incredible throughout so i'd highly recommend it on that merit alone but the concept is a post-apocalyptic world where a sickness referred to as the rash has ravaged most of earth's population and the setting for the comic is in these nordic countries finland iceland sweden etc where um careful quarantine and isolation measures and the cold climate has helped them to stave off the worst of it. So they exist somewhat insulated from what happened, and now they're trying to maintain contact with one another, sending parties here and there to figure out the fate of the old world. But the sickness has mutated, and it's become something more horrible that's in the wild, fusing people and animals into things that become rough Uh, I'd say rough facsimiles of monsters from Norse mythology, Mm. which was the real hook for me. Because, boy, if there's anything I won't shut the hell up about, it's probably Norse mythology with Hellraiser as a close second. And everything about this comic just speaks to me. It's the style, which I cannot wait to put on Twitter, if only to show it off. Uh, The concept, the characters. I love the Nordic setting. I love how every character's nationality becomes a factor in the story. There are language barriers. There are cultural gaps. There are preconceived notions about each other's countries, and it all plays together so perfectly in such an interesting setting. I couldn't recommend it enough. So that's Stand Still, Stay Silent. You can find um, the creator, Mina Sundberg, is at SSSS Comic. That's at 4S. Com- not 4S, but 4S's comic. Uh, you can find it there. She updates super regularly. And uh, guys, just check it out. There, what more can I say other than it's wonderful? So stand still, stay silent, check it out at SSSS Comic. Sounds cool. 
Very like good. it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, right. the art is yeah. great on that one. It Isn't sort it? of reminds oh, me of it. early. I, I think of early 60s uh, feature-length cartoons, like maybe uh, 101 Ooh. Dalmatians, that it's kind of that style. It's got really colorful quality that's not garish, but it, it brings mm-hmm. something to it that's hard to quantify. Hmm. It does sound good. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Josh, Patrick, who would like to go next? This is going to be thoroughly inappropriate for once. Oh, let's see. Bring <laughs> it on. Your favorite stuff. Spice it up. <laughs> Uh, recently, uh, on a whim, I was introduced to a, um, a manga called Don't Meddle With My Daughter by uh, Nazumu uh, Tamaki. And uh, actually, my review of it, he liked so much he actually shared. But uh, the concept is very, very simple. It's uh, essentially, what if American superheroes had to put up with all the perverse shit that Japanese superheroes do? <laughs> And it's seen through the eyes of a kind of a passing of the mantle of a mother and daughter team, which is a very thinly veiled reference to Supergirl and Power Girl. And the problem is, is uh, Supergirl, the daughter, is a complete moron. Uh, This thing uh, is hilarious. It uh, has humor on the level of, say, Porky's. So it's definitely not for kids. What what impressed me was that for a manga creator, he had the the creator had such a deep love and knowledge of old American comics. You could, you've we've seen parodies before by the Japanese of our comics, but yeah, it didn't quite get it. This guy, you could tell, loved these comics, read these comics, and it comes through. Uh, but again, he gives it a Japanese twist. For instance. Uh, the Doc Ock character in this world did not create his uh, tentacle suit uh, to kill Peter Parker or Spider-Man out of some vengeance. He did it because he was a serial groper. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Our heroes there, uh, again, showing you just kind of how Japanese the humor can get. Uh, the kryptonite in the series for our two superheroines uh, is uh, in public embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Does sound incredibly Japanese. Oh, very much so. Yes. But the strange thing is, is you read it, and through all of it, he really understands the superhero archetype that kind of made these characters what they were uh, back in the day. And I, I really think that's why the humor works the way it does, and it shows through. But anyway, that was my pick. What's it called? One more time. Don't meddle with my daughter. Don't meddle with by, my daughter. Uh, Words those, to live uh, by. Yeah. Ozuma, <laughs> Kamaki. And that's N-O-Z-O-M-U-T-A-M-A-K-I. Awesome. Sounds cool. Uh, Well, okay, so I guess my uh, my go-to that I like to be an evangelical about is uh, a webcomic called False Positive. Um, That sounds familiar. It sure does. I, I'm hoping I didn't recommend it last time because oh. <laughs> it's, a, it's something that I just uh, I just love and I like to talk about it wherever I get the chance because well, I even think if it you did it, that was almost a hundred episodes ago so who cares is that they, like, a, um, like a horror anthology comic that that's exactly right yes and it uh, it used to be really steadily one a week or even more, but he's gotten a little more busy lately. So he'll come out every two weeks or three weeks now. Uh, but I would suggest going to it, but do not start the current story because uh, what he, what he did was little standalone stories about 
I think maybe 20, 25 of them that each run maybe 10, 20, 30 pages in length. Um, depending on what the story needs, it goes for as, as long as the little story uh, demands. And they're, they're, sort of, they're horror, weird tales. Uh, some of them have strange twists at the end. Some just kind of stop and you're wondering what you just read. And, but they're all really well drawn and really amazing. Uh, he's putting, he put together an amazing uh, world where everything sort of is fitting together and you're, you're reading it and thinking, Oh, well maybe this connects to that. And Oh, I've seen this character here before. And so then the reason I say don't start with the current story, he started his first epic saga about, gosh, maybe two years ago. Now it's turned into this sprawling epic. Uh, and it brings together all of these threads that you thought might be connected. And it's turning the whole seemingly unrelated uh, anthologies into one big uh, mythology. And I, I just love it. So if you go through it and you, you start to enjoy them as I did, then uh, prepare for the, the current story, which is still ongoing. He's getting towards the end of it. Uh, it's uh, it's been amazing, it, it, and it, it's a ride worth taking. He has some real standout stories in there. There's one uh, that is his take on on zombies, which it, it's called Specimen, and it is just disgusting. It <laughs> is the most disgustingly horrible zombie story you've I've ever read. It just makes me want to hurl. By the time so, gets... <laughs> how so? What, what about it makes you want to hurl? I don't even want to give it away. You'll be so surprised. It's something nobody's ever thought of with zombies before. Oh, I'll wow. just tell you now that. That I would be interested yeah, to see because that that's one genre that gets no new treatment. Typically. And I can attest, what I've seen of this comic was phenomenal. So, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I I don't think gets nearly enough attention. It's it's. Easily one of the best web comics around awesome. uh, these days, and, and if you like horror, it's it's I for do. you. <laughs> Excellent. Very so it's good. called False Positive, and it's at falsepositivecomic.com. If it wasn't you who said that before, then it was definitely somebody. I know I've heard I, that on I the show before. I think I had actually talked about it for one of our uh, Comic Vault segments a while back. Yeah. We'll have to go back and look. I'm really curious, but if I'm not mistaken, I talked about one where a, a man's tongue starts speaking, so he has to cut it off because it's about yes. to tell his wife he's been cheating on her. Yes, yeah. I do remember that. Then he like put it down the garbage disposal. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, sick, the best. All right. Well, uh, the book I found uh, is at HighWorksComics.com, and it's a book called Ed- Edison Rex. Edison Rex. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also go to edisonrex.net to check it out. But what it's about is uh, it's about the super, or the super villain who has actually killed the hero. Oh. And uh, where he goes from there. And the very first issue, when you open this up, the very first panel is, and now the final showdown between Edison <laughs> Rex awesome. and uh, Valiant, Protector of Earth. And this is very much a uh, Superman-looking yeah, character. Yeah. And 
um, I, you know, I don't think the object of the story is to necessarily focus on these heroes or their powers, but more of what a situation like that might do to someone's mind. Because when when that. the hero shows up, he's like, you're going down, Edison Rex. It's time to go to jail. And he's like, well, you know, my charade's over, sure. But before you take me in, let's take a walk. I have some stuff to show you. So he starts walk, walking him around his villain lab. And, you know, you see all these, like, big, uh, like, death ray kind of things around Uh, so things that aren't taken too seriously just does that make sense what i'm saying all the big baroque instruments of villainy i'm sure yeah there's not too much focus on the the past plot or what his tools are is you're just supposed to know he's powerful sure and one thing they do uh divulge is that he's the world's smartest man this edison rex is which is why he's this villain. Sure. And uh, as he's walking uh, Valiant around, he's telling him that there was this alien message that was coming from the cosmos that they were able, scientists, maybe himself, were able to decode. And it was the blueprints to construct some like RNA, DNA strand oh, wow. that would enhance some, somebody. And they couldn't quite get the formula right, except for a single strand that was accidentally dropped onto or taken in by some woman that was working there, who then had a baby, which was then, of course, Valiant, yeah. this hero. And this is all a big, you know, revelation to the series. Like, oh my God, he's a, you mean my powers are of alien origin? He goes, yes. And he goes, there's another thing. He goes. This isn't going to always... You're not always going to have control of yourself. Since you have this gene in you, as you age, as you get older, it's going to take control. You're going to you're going to get bloodlust. You're going to... And that's the whole point of it. To kill everything here right. and make it safe for then the aliens oh, to land. Awesome. So this... Um, the hero, you know, faced with this reality, is like, oh my God. He's like, I'm a ticking time bomb. He goes, I know, I know you're right. He goes, I've... Wanted to kill lately. He's like, I've been, it's been harder and harder to hold myself back, but it's already happening. It's already happening. So he decides right then and there that the villain, Edison Rex, has this like suicide booth kind of thing there. (laughs) He just runs and he goes, "I, I have to do this now. He goes, Take care. He goes, You have to protect the people of Earth, you know. He shuts himself in this booth, turns it on, and just boom, just zaps himself. Happened a little quick for my taste, but oh, sure. it was yeah. still really cool. And Did he so, say, I lied? <laughs> I was waiting for that, sure. but no, it was all true. Oh, wow. And this is where the book begins to get interesting. Because as comical, you know, we may have laughed at some of that stuff, but then the reaction on his face after it happens, he's like, holy cow, that worked. <laughs> he's dead. Um, and he's realizing the weight of what he's done. All the people that the, his villain still was, was helping, you know? Yeah. And his his sidekick comes up to him and goes, did your plan work? He goes, yeah, it, it did. He's dead. They're like, good. Now we can move forward with conquering the world. And he goes, no, there's been a change of plan. He goes, I, I can't do that now. He goes, I've got I've to protect people. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to leave off. It was really good. I was oh, really... Um, I love that concept. Really taken by it. Yeah. And um, the the artwork is very much in the same style as like Archer. It's like you're watching Archer. Oh, sure. So very easy on the eye. Very yeah. fun to look at. And a great story to boot. 
I can't recommend it oh, enough. Wow. I love that already. Yeah. Check it out. EdisonRex.net or go to Hiveworks Comics. I think it's just HiveworksComics.com or just Google it. But, uh, yeah, for sure. Check it out. Cool. Well, uh, just as an endorsement, I, I've been looking at Stand Still, Stay Silent while you guys have been talking, and I think I'm going to have to order the first book. Good call. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a hell of a thing. Sold that quick. Wow. Well, it, it's really innovative, and I really like the twist. So well, anyway. Check it out. Nine times out of ten, stuff you bring to the, re- uh, to the table here are pretty good. Yeah, well, you know, pretty good. All right. Well, with that behind us, let's just turn our attention over to Patrick and Josh and talk about Case File Arkham, Her Blood Runs Cold. And again, I think it was late 2016 we had you guys on last. And uh, again, your Kickstarter was just starting up. So uh, it looks like you guys, don't they, though? (laughs) You guys overshot your goal considerably, it looks like. So congrats to you. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, we were able to add a bunch of pages and uh, make it as long as we wanted. So that yeah. that turned out nice. And and then, yeah, it was just a conception, just a twinkle in our eye when we talked to you last. And uh, between then and now, boy, we finished it. It's been printed. I can hardly believe it. So now you've you've done it. You've killed your valiant, so to speak. Where do you go from here? Is there kind of an emptiness almost? You're like, oh, wow, it's it's done. Now now we have to wow. protect the world. There you go. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> It's really uh, cool to, uh, you know, have been checked in with you guys the first time and now to see your guys' dream, yeah. you know, out the other end uh, come to reality. Uh, what's that like for you guys? How are you? Are you riding high? Is this your first really big uh, publishing or? No, uh, we've been at this for quite a while. Uh, Patrick and I both had books on, uh, on uh, Archaea, uh, was Archaea Entertainment. Oh, wow. Really? Uh, before we decided uh, working together. And when uh, Arkea got bought out by Boom, um, kind of the, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but he and I just started working together uh, on an off chance on a project I had called World War Kaiju, which uh, did decently enough. And then that led to another book, which was the first Case File Arkham. And when we finished that first book, um, Horror, or yeah, it was a horror on the canvas. Um, nightmare, nightmare on the nightmare. canvas. God, I, it's my own book. I wrote <laughs> how, it. How quickly we forget. Yeah, well, I've been living the other book for about a year. Uh, it it came together so solid. I mean, we it was an unproven concept at the time. Uh, we had a lot of uh, faith in the project. We had tons of ideas, but was it really going to work? And it came together so well that we kind of knew we had something special. And to keep that momentum going, we dove right into the second one. And uh, really, uh, I don't know, it's just a massive sense of satisfaction getting the two books out, uh, how well they hold together, seeing how uh, well people are reacting to it. And uh, we've uh, been talking about what happens next, the third one, I guess. That'll be mm-hmm. exciting. That'll be really exciting. And I, I feel stupid because typically at the top of these segments, I uh, want to remind the listeners exactly you know what the project is we're talking about. And though we, we did talk about it with you back on 147, could you give a brief synopsis or a brief overview of uh, Case File Arkham for the people who aren't aware of it? Not a worry. I mean, you get what people on every week, so I'm sure it gets all mixed up. I mean, I can't even remember the title of my own book. Um, <laughs> but uh, really, the short pitch was, uh, well, what if uh, 
Raymond Chandler was writing H.P. Uh, Lovecraft stories. It's a, a classic 1940s uh, detective noir set in Lovecraft's uh, most cursed city in the world, uh, Arkham, Massachusetts. And it's gorgeous. I can contest yeah. to that. It is a gorgeous book. Thanks. And there's something Thanks. fitting about the noir subject mm-hmm. and setting mm-hmm. that, that fits with the Cthulhu mythos. I think almost everyone who's a fan of those stories would agree that that's kind of the decade that it needs to take place in. There's just, I, I don't know if, if it's just from the time in which they were written, it sort of fits best coming from that place, but it's it's a natural join this time and this subject yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. Well, it was our uh, it was our crazy alchemy experiment. We just wanted to see if we could put these things together. It seemed like a natural to us talking to each other on the phone and saying, you know, what is you know, what is Lovecraft lacking? It's basically Lovecraft stories are lacking a hard-boiled detective. And go- <laughs> well, there you go. Two great things. And tastes. going from there. <laughs> but, yes, they they fit together so perfectly. It's really strange that it's been done so few times. And when it has been done, it's usually not been done in that era. So something great like Angel Heart, which is one of our yeah. touchstones. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful movie. Everything's great about it. But I think it would have been even better if it were placed in the 1930s or 40s. And Supposedly uh, it is, but I, I, I didn't know it. I, I don't. I think it was sort of timeless. Yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to be kind of, it could be now, it could be then. Kind, kind of like Gotham. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, then uh, what is uh, Lord of Illusions would have been great as like a 1940s, you know, nightclub act kind of thing. So there's lots of... I think it would have worked better in the 40s. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, So uh, what we did uh, was was a complete experiment, but it really did work in that first book. So we just just knew we had to do it again. Plus, on a personal level... uh, I know Josh can attest to the fact that he really uh, uh, immersed himself in the idiom of the hard-boiled detective uh, story and the film noir, and I learned so much about drawing in that style that I had picked, because I had never done anything in this kind of black-and-white line art before. And I said, okay, I'm going to take... uh, elements from Alex Raymond, his uh, late 1940s strip Rip Kirby, and uh, Al Williamson from his uh, Secret Agent Corrigan strip from the late 60s. And I'm going to take these these guys who are about a million times better artists than I'll ever be, but try to uh, bring elements of their style into what I was doing. And by the time we hit the second book, I was really feeling comfortable with it. And I'm, I'm happy with uh, how it's come out artistically. Sure, as you should be. With this being available now, what does that mean? It's on uh, all comic book store shelves. How available is this in the uh, in the brick and mortar locations? Um, primarily, it's been in bookstores. Um, okay. The comics market is a very bizarre beast, and it's going through a really strange phase right now. Um, so we've primarily marketed to bookstores and through Amazon, but sales through both have been excellent. 
Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I know you can, obviously, Amazon, like you just said, what about Zero One Publishing? It's on there, right? Right. Although, yeah. again, it actually helps us more if you do buy it uh, through Amazon. Okay. Well, that's the link we'll be putting up for people. <laughs> yes. it looks uh-huh. like. <laughs> there you go. Um, I think I buy most everything it... through Amazon. So. <laughs> you can get it through your local bookstore if you uh, go in to order. Uh, it's through uh, Baker and Taylor is the yeah. distributor. Okay. Um, and a lot of uh, a lot of local comics shops have ordered it and gotten it in stock. I know uh, there's a couple in my area who've uh, who actually were on the Kickstarter and got copies. Uh, but that's kind of hit or miss. Uh, so definitely, uh, if you're if you have a local bookstore that you want to give some business to, just uh, ask them if they. Uh, if they get books from Baker and Taylor, which most of them will. And yeah, they all do. Yeah. Well, we have a store right down the street from us here. That we do. I think we might just have to do that. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) we don't interact with them very often. Wouldn't it be kind of (laughs) weird? The other thing is just that's been really, really, um, I I don't know, really made the project worth it is how many people have noticed what we're doing, uh, what makes the project work and what makes it unique. Um, as uh, Patrick had mentioned, aside from a few standouts in which, um, you know, two very good movies he mentioned, most of the time that the two genres are mixed, you know, horror and noir, noir, especially the Lovecraft stuff, it always tends to have more of a wizard detective or a uh, monster hunter vibe to it. And the way that we approach this is it is a solid, hardcore noir story set in a supernatural universe, specifically Lovecraft's. Um, you know, the, it isn't as if uh, our characters all know everything. It's not like our detective can do magic and just get out of a situation. It, at the end of the day, he essentially is the kind of the archetypical uh, Chandler, uh, Philip Marlowe-esque type detective uh, dealing with the uh, worst nightmares that uh, Lovecraft had ever uh, dreamt up. And people get it. I mean, that, that, is, that has been the uh, most uh, satisfying part of it all. What's your what's your line you always say, Jake? Oh, are you talking about two great tastes that taste great together? Is that what about. you're alluding to here? Because you got yourself kind of a you got chocolate in my peanut butter situation here with these <laughs> <Yeah>. two things. <laughs> That's such a cool idea, guys, and I'm very happy that your uh, Kickstarter went so darn well. We yeah. just pulled it up here before the show. Ooh, like, oh wow. boy, <laughs> those guys have been busy, haven't they? But. Big congrats to you again, uh, not only in the release of that, but uh, it sounds like you guys are all ready to start making number three. Oh, yeah. We'll have to get you back on when that happens. Are you going to be making Thanks. any uh, con conventions or, any, or, excuse me, con appearances <laughs> or anything like that? Probably not this year. No? Yeah. Not, not con. Yeah, it depends. I do. I do have a. Uh, I do have a badge for Comic Con, and then uh, Cat at Zero One Publishing was uh, possibly going to have some space uh, selling uh, selling her books, including ours. So uh, might happen that we'll be there, but I'd say uh, keep an eye on the Zero One Publishing site for any yeah, news for on sure. that. Definitely want to yeah. push that. Yeah, we've uh, we've been dealing with Cap for what a few years now. Sure have. I think yeah, and it's been it's been awesome. We get awesome stories like Case File Oracle. So, <laughs> guys, this is yes, been a lot and 
What's that? Oh, oh, I was gonna say, and don't and don't forget, uh, people listening. Yes, there are, there are the two books, so get them both. Uh, the first first one is Nightmare on the Canvas, and the second one is Her Blood Runs Cold. And we're gonna. So, and have if you really to want a book three to happen, review it. Re- yes. Leave a review on Amazon. That'll make sure a third one happens. The more reviews, the better, because it'll increase sales, increase people knowing about us, and right. Yeah, we we need to be loved. <laughs> okay, I think maybe Candair might be able to even uh, help you out in that in that department. We'll go oh, it's a, a possibility. Yeah, I think we might be able to help you. But guys, oh. I want to thank you so much for being on the show again. It's been fun, uh, Josh Patrick. Uh, welcome back anytime. Let us know when you're about to start fundraising for uh, number three, and we'll get you back on. Awesome, thank you. Excellent. Jake, what do we have on the website? Well, we've got a special guest page where you can see some of our most interesting interviews from over the years. Uh, We've got a contacts page. If you're interested in sharing your work or need a little promotion to help you along, do feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, You can see our whole catalog there. We're not keeping anything from you with the exception of our Patreon pod. Oh, by the way, Patreon, $5 or more a month and you get access to the Founders Club. Perhaps the finest piece of entertainment ever crafted by the hands of mankind. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it's pretty good. Uh, and don't forget to follow us on all of our social networking outlets. That's at CannedAirPod on Twitter and at Canned underscore Air on Instagram. Did I miss anything? Well, I think you're pretty uh, pretty thorough right well, there. All right. And again, set those DVRs for Sundays at midnight, Ballmasters oh, 9009. Yeah. <laughs> I promise you, uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. You can just get on AdultSwim.com and check out that first episode very again. Cool about that. Typically after it's aired, it's on there. So, yeah. And we'll be throwing images up on Twitter so you can see sure as well. Will. And uh, one last time, if you you yourself or you know anybody who has a story that's just beyond strange, something that's happened to them, and they uh, wanna wanna would like to donate that story to us, either come on the show and tell it, or uh, you know just write it out and we can read it on this uh, other show we're kind of planning. Go to uh, our website, CandarePodcast.com, and go to the contact page and uh, you know type it out. You can send us a message there, or you can just. Send us an email at cannedairpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear your weird stories. We want to hear those stories, and uh, if we get enough of them, I can make this other show of ours happen, and I think it would be a lot of fun. It so sure would. I sure hope we get some of those stories. So I think that's going to do it. I believe so. This week, so until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. <laughs> you guys there? Oh, oh, oh yeah, were we yeah. supposed to talk? Yeah, remember this at the <laughs> Oh, that was so long ago, and we're in the comic book creators. We talked way too much SNL. <laughs> and I'm Patrick McAvoy, MegaFlowGraphics.com. And I'm Josh Finney. Buy my books. <laughs> there you have it, folks. Thanks for listening, everyone. See this movie. But wait, Timmy's blind! But what am I supposed to do? Why not try a podcast? Spirit! Spirit! All the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the Canned Air podcast. 
Finally, a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Now, what about... Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah? I was going to say... Uh, yeah, yeah. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.